This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I'm Emily Campagno, and this is the Fox True Crime Podcast. Artificial intelligence is swiftly making its way into almost every facet of our lives. From smart homes to self-driving cars, many industries are welcoming this new technology. So it should come as no surprise to hear that law enforcement is embracing artificial intelligence to help crack some of their toughest cases. AI has the potential to assist law enforcement agents with various aspects of their investigations. Crime scene analysis, autopsy examinations, age progression, and even lie detection. But the capabilities of AI are also open for the public to use as well. For Dr. Harvey Castro, an ER doctor and CEO of Convo GPT, he was inspired by the true crime genre to create a software which he dubbed Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes is an AI model which communicates like the famous detective it's named after. By texting the software, users can ask the program questions about various crimes in order to gain more knowledge about the cases and how they were solved. Dr. Castro joins me today to discuss how the program works, as well as the various ways in which AI can benefit the realm of law enforcement. What prompted you to create Sherlock Holmes? Honestly, <laughs> you're going to laugh, it was my wife. Um, she loves crime stories. And at, to be honest, I hated them at the beginning. Um, but for the last two years, we've been watching it religiously and she actually got me into it. And so just my brain with the doctor side of me and then getting a hold of ChatGPT, I thought, oh my gosh, what if you combine the two? Wouldn't you be able to solve all these mysteries that we've been like watching on TV all the time? And that's really what prompted me to even write the book about it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's so fascinating. Such an exciting idea for those of us that do love the genre and we welcome you with open arms as a newest member of our community. Um, so why don't you explain a little bit about how the software works? Yeah, so big picture, you know, obviously I didn't invent OpenAI, I wish I had, um, but the way it works, I'm gonna go specifically with ChatGPT is, imagine going into the internet and taking everything you can and then putting it into a database and then taking any textbooks any information that you're able to down to youtubes and putting it all into one big database and then what they did openai's created a this is the geeky part they created a statistical uh, algorithm that bas basically guesses what the next word is when you ask a question and so in reality, all that ChatGPT is doing is just fancy math. But to us, it translates into words. And for us, it's actually creating things that we're like, wow, this is very on, on target. And so that big picture, that's how it works. And the, the layman's way I explain it to my patients is as follows. Imagine having the smartest person in the world that you can ask them anything 24-7, him or her, and they and that person can reply at any time. That's basically ChatGPT. Obviously, the dangers, as we all know, is that there's this hallucination effect where some of the stuff that it tells you may not be accurate. So 
how would someone, let's say like me, who isn't really technologically savvy, how would we enter information from a crime scene into the software? How would, what would be the first step into us using it? So a couple of things. Um, there's a free edition. I would highly encourage people, again, I have no stake into OpenAI, but to pay the $20 a month because then you get a more sophisticated software. But assuming you get either one of those, um, all you would be able to do or actually be to do is the following. You put in you know, all the factors of the crime scene and say, okay, here are all the factors. Here's what's going on. Um, what are the best guesses? What should I do next? It's kind of difficult in the sense that um, this famous thing is what you know data scientists say all the time is garbage in is garbage out. If you don't put the right questions in, the information that comes out may not be ideal. So the more specific you are, for example, I'll say a cold case, if you put all the factors that are known and say, okay, I need some good hypothesis or what, what things can help me find the next steps for the solution for this case. It would do a better job because it's getting all that data so that you're giving it a good background knowledge. You're giving it all the known public knowledge things and then turn around and say, you know, tell me what, what should I do to investigate? What are some better leads? And it should give you, um, in the doctor world, we call it a differential diagnosis. In the crime world, I guess it would be the different possibilities of what could have happened. So how are you seeing it being used now in investigations? You know, the simple stuff that, um, you know, I'm, I'm an ER doctor by training, but uh, the simple stuff that we have seen, and we all know this is, you know, just a simple example of how technology evolves with time. For example, one of the quickest ways that we understand now is AIs, especially if you go into the airport recently, you can tell that once you walk in, there's scanners, there's cameras all over the airport that are looking at all the faces. And so how it's literally working today is there's facial recognition. And so those facial recognition cameras are able to know who's in the airport and who's trying to leave or come into the, our country. Uh, take that to the next level. There's places in Europe where over years ago before us, uh, their way of using this, this this technology has been more advanced to, uh, than us because of ethics and other reasons. Um, but they've used this really commonly for um, just cameras, just constantly facial recognitions of everybody that's just going to the subway or just walking around in the bus stations just to know who's where. Here in the United States, if you took that example and extrapolated to when we had the uh, Boston um you know, big bombing that we had several years ago. If you had those cameras in place, yes, that's how we found the ultimately the suspect. But if you had those on all the time, you would be able to know, hey, this person is on one of the terrorist uh, crime lists or he's known to be a terrorist. And here's a big event like the marathon. You know, these algorithms would say this is a high probability that this person's probably shouldn't be there. Might be a reason for, you know, to go investigate. Which to that point is why a lot of concerns have been raised about AI, you know, being incorporated into the world of law enforcement um, because of concerns around privacy, um, as well as replacing jobs and the inaccuracies that you mentioned earlier, the hallucination effect. So um, have you at all delved into the conversation about privacy and has that played a part as this has been developing um, under your wing? Has that had an impact on you at all? Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, as an ER doctor, number one thing in the United States is HIPAA laws, privacy. I hold patients' privacy at the utmost respect, and and I guard that. You know, with crime, it's a catch twenty two. 
I'm I'm kind of stuck here. If if you had some, and and this is why so many laws changed after 9/11. There were so many uh, lives that died and so many people that suffered. That had we had a technology to save these people, maybe we would have been able to do more. And that's where we get into a pickle often because we start bending the rules for some things and some things we don't. And I really have a hard time with this concept because, you know, the purest form, I'm like, man, I, I would not want anything to violate my my personal privacy. But at the same time, if I can save lives, I would be fine with giving up some of my privacy things for the betterment, you know, for nothing bad to happen in the world. Um, just to bring it to another level you know, from an ethical point and keeping it within crime, you know, there obviously we have our fingerprints, but if you take it to the next level, what about our digital fingerprints where it's our social media uh, and take it to a medical point? What if it's our genomics and our DNA? And those are the ways that they can track us. And now we can solve crime this way. But then at the same time, someone else has our DNA uh, genome all mapped up on a database. You know, and then what if insurance companies say, well, we're not going to cover you because we know you're going to have diabetes in the next 10 years. Right. And which is such an interesting parallel, too, because, for example, when the use of fingerprinting was first introduced into the criminal justice world, it was widely resisted for many reasons. And so evidence that we take today as sort of non-questionable and that we maybe take for granted at the time was considered totally cutting edge and potentially infringing. So you wonder if now, like with medicine, where there's a lot of cutting edge technologies, you can't improve without being creative and exploring and taking that leap of faith. Um, in the legal realm, obviously we're operating under, under protections and the like, but there still has to be room for that growth because otherwise uh, success in, wouldn't be achieved. And accomplishments wouldn't be sustained really. So on that end, you know, in terms of your imagination and, and how it's being used currently, like what are some of the other capabilities of AI? Like autopsy analysis, age progression, digital forensics, biological oh, evidence. It's amazing. You know, I, I went to a conference uh, two weeks ago, it was AI Med and the skinniest, they had a vendor there and my mind blew up when he showed this, this camera. It's just a simple camera on your face, but what it did within 30 seconds blew me away. There was two different companies. Number one company, exactly what you just said. It Just by looking at you, it could say, this is roughly how we think you are. The part that really blew me away is it just with the camera, it could tell my blood pressure. No pressure cuff, nothing, just a simple camera. The other thing that really blew me away, it said, this is your hemoglobin A1C, which is the average glucose for the last three months. And it was pretty, pretty darn, because I had just got my lab work. So it was pretty darn close to what, that camera said the age was a few years off, but still pretty good. The blood pressure was, I didn't have to verify it, but it's usually what it runs. So I believed it. And what my point was, I thought, man, what if this is the next lie detector? That's just a simple camera and you're in a, in front of a police officer and lying to the police officer, they would know your blood pressure. They would, it would be better than the, you know, the lie detectors that we have. The next exhibit right over also blew my mind away. And I want to talk to the owner, but basically your conversation, you just have a simple 30 second conversation and this AI is analyzing your voice. And after 30 seconds, it gave me a whole printout of my personality, what I like to do, my decision process, how I do things. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, unknowingly I could be on a Zoom and you can have these two things going and you would be able to extrapolate all this data. And in a way, I think that's a violation of my privacy, but at the same time, I'm gonna convert that into good. What if we made that into a lie detector 
Now you'd be able to catch criminals when they're lying to police officer or being interrogated. They'd get even more information, which is fascinating to me. We're going to take a quick break. More from our guest after this. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Do you see it as being a continued tool, a continued augmentation, or do you see it as replacing eventually the technology and, and current human endeavors that we rely on? So you mentioned lie detector tests. Like, will this, do you, do you think it'll replace it ultimately, or do you think it will still only be an augmenting tool? I love that question. I hear that from my doctors all the time. Am I going to be replaced by AI? And my answer <laughs> back is going to be the same in this situation. Look at it this way. The doctor, let's go back to the detective. The detective is only as good as that detective. But if you add artificial intelligence plus the detective, it's way better than just the detective. So if you had to put it in a, a food chart, the AI plus the detective is way better than just the detective. And the detective is way better than just the AI. But I see the future as you need both. It's going to be the complementation. And and I, I have a big, <laughs> it's my big bag wagon on this one, but I really think it's our creativity. And this is why I love how AI can help solve crime. For example, you and I are not really detectives, but hey, we love the community. We love all this information. So we kind of have like this pseudo street knowledge of stuff, but we're not a real detective, but we're probably better than someone that's never heard it. What if we had the power of GPT to give us more information? So on our weaknesses, so like going into a crime scene and things like that, that we really don't do. Now we are able to use that power of GPT to educate us. So in a way we are all better. And so let's take that into the police force. Let's say we have someone that's into a crime scene that's not really their specialty, but they can increase their knowledge using GPT to be able to be better investigators, better detectives. So I think it's going to be augmenting. I think the future will be AI teaching police officers and the level of education will go up. I love that too, because I feel like, you know, I grew up, my, my father's a physician, I'm an attorney. And so I feel like I sort of have a my identity at least is rooted in a, a form of, of logic and, and in the amount of human qualities that I always sort of perceived as being part and parcel to technological advances in, for example, medicine, or even in the laws, we talk about evidence collection and, you know, DNA, all of that stuff. I can't divorce, in, in my opinion, I can't divorce success from that human quotient and people who are AI fans who say, oh, this is the, the way of the future, the complete reliant on it. That makes me nervous for some. However, they see that the propensity for human error, that that is, you know, their greatest nightmare. So for them, they would rather have all all AI that that seems more dependable. But for me, like I'd rather take a human error than a technological error. But that's just me. Um, and I, I love what you just said. And and I I, I believe in exactly what you're saying. I, I think with time, these algorithms will get better and better. And like I said earlier, garbage in, garbage out. I think these algorithms will get so good. And then detectives and people in general will be getting better and better. You know, they they say there's a new profession called prop engineering, and it's paying between two and $300,000 to be able to talk to these AIs, which is amazing to me. But my point is this. Um, what if we have these amazing databases? What if all the law enforcements get together, FBI, CA, law enforcements, and they're sharing this big, big database 
and I know people will cringe out there, but that will have genomics, fingerprints, digital footprints, your social media, your whereabouts. And it's just this secure database that now if something happens, they can carve out a radius of who was in that area and who are the likely suspects and using algorithms to see, okay, these are more likely people to do crime because they've been, you know, past offenders, or if they are going to commit a crime, these algorithms can say, these are the individuals that more than likely could have done it. So all of a sudden now the, the police force has a list of suspects just because they were in that facility, because they knew from their digital footprint, from Facebook, LinkedIn, from their cell phones, from their going through the toll tags, they know this person was in that area. Um, and I think it's going to change things. I'm hoping that that's become such a big deterrent that people think twice to say, you know what, I'm not going to do X, Y, Z. It's almost like Minority Report. Remember that movie where yes. you know, it predicted yes. who could? It's so fascinating. Um, walk us through just a final question. As uh, again, that, you know, CEO of Convo GPT and, and you've you've created this. You wrote Solving Infamous Cases with AI. Uh, can you walk us through a little bit about what that was like? Just, um, you know, you, it was your wife's idea, but walk us through the success and the impact that it's had um, in, in your existence. Yeah, of course. Thank you. So but bottom line is I feel like in medicine, uh, the way to live longer and have a better lifestyle is to know more of medicine. So, you know, back in the day, people didn't know smoking was bad for you. Now people laugh like, of course, I'm not going to smoke. And so the same thing with crime. I feel like the way I wrote the book was why not get educated? Because there's going to be detectives that may not understand all these principles. There might be some police officers that really they're another part of crime, but they're not really doing this. So I thought, let me write a book, but then let me go ahead and use, uh, you know, the prior serial killers and see how the principles of AI would apply to those serial killers and how they may have been caught earlier. And then the geeky part of me was like, well, let me just create a text. So that way you can text this person. Cause I'm, I'm really bad about watching TV and I'm like, I'll stop and like text my uh, AI that I have it connect the chat GPT with the texting. And then I'll say, okay, uh, this murder scene, what happened? Cause I know it's based on a real story. And then as long as uh, it's within the year before the year 2021, it'll tell me, yeah, this person killed this many person. Yeah, this person went to jail. My wife hates when I do that because she's like, dude, you're you're ruining the story. You already know. <laughs> but I, just to show proof of concept, <laughs> it's kind of fun. Or, you know, if something comes up and I'm the scientist in me, I was like, oh, I wonder, was it the DNA that caught this person? So then I'll send a text and like, OK, you know, this suspect had this DNA. Was that what caused the person to go to jail? And then it'll tell me. So it's, it's kind of cool. That's amazing. You know, I think about um, there's a, a really amazing book called The Man from the Train, and um, it was written by a father daughter team, Rachel and Bill James, and they synthesized thousands and thousands of newspaper clippings and articles and books from the past. And they essentially identified a historical serial killer that was prolific in the late 1800s um, and through the 1900s. And it was just a fascinating, you know, that the whole time that you're sort of sharing this about the use of chat GPT and about Sherlock Holmes and essentially it's, it's collating information and the speed with which it does that is such an impressive, mind-blowing concept because I think about the labor. Again, we talk about sort of the human labor and you know technology being an augment. And I think about this, you know, father-daughter team who who just looked through records like diligently, you know, poured over them that that were only existed in hard copy and came to to a conclusion. Um, and in no way am I saying that Sherlock Holmes would replace that. 
or that that wasn't achievable, um, you know, strictly in its own form. But just the enormity of the task is is really impressive. And that as the world has become digitized, that perhaps there's sort of an opening act to this. Perhaps there's a an amount of um, you know, a date after which this is completely dependable and especially as records themselves become digitized. I, I love what you just said. I'm going to explore that a little more because what you said is something I kind of do in this way. I use AI in general, just brainstorming. If I have a problem, if I don't understand, I literally will say, okay, here's the problem. Help me out and, and tell me what you think. And I literally, I know it sounds crazy, but I, I treat it like a friend and I just start having conversations and it's part of my brainstorming. So based on what you said, it's, it's the same thing, getting all this data, putting it into ChatGPT. And that's where I feel like this is one of the advances. So a detective, you know, not all of us are good. I know I went to med school, but I didn't make straight A's in every single thing. I know I have gaps in my knowledge and that's why I specialize in just ER. What about detectives? You know, things change, information evolves. What if you had this information so that you could start saying, okay, uh, <laughs> you're my Watson equivalent. Why not uh, ask AI, hey, this is what's going on. What do you think? And to start getting other ideas that maybe you can think of, but not that you're dumb. It's just that you're not thinking outside the box sometimes. Here's something that's like the highest IQ. Uh, Scientific America quoted it as a verbal IQ of 155, which is in the top 99.9%. Um, so it's just fascinating. And then one other thing I wanted to say is as our cameras get better, um, our better algorithms, we'll get pretty close to where, you know, in the future, some of the digital footprint will be even bigger. So cameras that are our ring doorbells will get even better five, 10 years from now, where anything that passes in front of our camera will be detected right now. It's limited by the the quality of that video. But as time continues, all that quality is going to get better, better around the world. Even just watching sports videos from a couple years ago, I'm like, gosh, yeah. this looks like it's from, you know, the 80s and it's like 2010. So you're absolutely right that the speed with which technology is advancing, especially in that realm of film and cameras and footage, um, it's just amazing. And thank you, Dr. Castro, not only for your contribution to criminal justice and, and the true crime world, but um, just for being an advocate for this, because I, I know I only speak for myself, but AI is foreign, obviously novel, but just like a remote control, it's intimidating to me. And so I love the way that you have um, really represented it as being, again, this amazing tool that can help all of us and that can be used to really better um, our lives and to maybe satiate some curious individuals such as yourselves who have really achieved such exciting accomplishments and inventions. So thank you so much and thank you for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. To hear more stories like this, you can listen to our past episodes on the Fox True Crime Podcast. Go to foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts to listen and subscribe. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.